0: and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome back to this episode of Success to Significance, life after breaking through glass ceilings. And as you know with this podcast, this is all about breaking through all kinds of things. It's not just glass ceilings that are money, but anything that you're hitting your head against and that you've broken through, whether it's weight loss or marriage or something in your business, or you know, you've know you had a really, really long career and you decided that you want to become much more significant in what you're doing and how you're helping people making an impact in the world. So welcome to our show. And if this is the first time that you're listening, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope that you find that today's episode is going to enlighten you to be able to move you forward in your business and your personal life. So I would like to introduce my guest today, Ryan Naras, and he is a mobile home real estate expert. I'm going to call it that. And I've actually had Ryan on my other podcast, Mortgage Lending Mastery, to talk about you know what he does with mobile home parks and how he, he works that from a technical side. So if you have any interest in that, you can certainly go over to Mortgage Lending Mastery and search for that episode with Ryan. But here today, what we're going to talk about is Ryan's transformation, breakthrough, etc. in his life and how that's made an impact for him and for others that he's working with. So Ryan, welcome to this show instead of the other show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's fun and I'm honored to be here and and hopefully we can help out a lot of people in the process.
1: Sounds great. So let's just get started from the very beginning. I know you have you know a story. First of all, can we share how old you are? 32. Okay. So, yeah, Ryan's 32 and he's already a mega a mega real estate investor with mobile home parks and so there's a story there. You know, there's certainly a story that we want want to hear about. So, let's start with the fact that you went to college, yep. and you studied something and you're not doing it. So, why don't you take it away and give us a little background on where you were before we sure. go to where you are now.
2: So, I went to the Wake Forest University. I studied psychology and statistics because I wanted to get into sales. I had the wonderful timing of graduating undergrad in 2009, which happened to have been probably the worst year <laughs> in a long time to go out and get a job. And so immediately upon becoming an adult, quote unquote, I, it's like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. (laughs) And for me, it was, I thought I had this cool sports marketing sales job and it turned out it was a total scam and it was a telemarketing thing. And so I was, I went the entire year thinking I was going to be just fine my senior year. And then all of a sudden it's July of 2009. I just graduated and I have no job prospects and nothing. So it was a really stressful time, but my old karate instructor said, why don't you come sell cars? So I said, you know what? I am going to be a champ and not a victim. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to learn what I can. And over really ridiculous four years, I learned about everything I think I probably could have selling cars, marketing, persuading, negotiating, operations, customer service, defusing confrontational situations. And through that process, I realized that I was meant to be a business owner and I could learn the skills necessary to do that. So the only thing that was missing is I didn't know business. So I went back to Wake Forest, got my MBA. And while I was getting my MBA, I started my mobile home park business. And we've now been a part of 12 mobile home park transactions. And I've got several under contract right now. And boy, we are rocking and rolling and growing. So yeah, let's just say Mike Tyson was right. I definitely got punched in the face, so to speak, several, several times. And anyone listening who has kids knows that if you have a child, You can do your best to make a plan, but the truth is at some point, someone's having a meltdown and (laughs) something, you're going to pivot. Right,
1: right. And as we were talking offline, you know, with my uh, daughter-in-law, you know, they have three. So they get punched Mm. in the face all the time. But (laughs) you know what? I mean, they're wonderful kids. But in the course of being car salesman, you also wrote a book about it, you know, which Mm. I found was so interesting because you were able to use your psychology degree to manifest – you know, something to give back to the world. So tell us about the book.
2: Yes, it's called Car Deal Hacks. And basically, I fuse psychology with my experience selling cars so that you can get the best price and have the best experience. So in that. other words, there are little psychological hacks that you can use to have a better time at the car dealership and get a better price. And I made it free. So you can you can pay me if you want to, but I literally set it up to be free. And the reason why is because to me, I know that people can buy cars and it not be pulling teeth. And I would rather that information be shared with the world than to try to make every single penny possible. Right. So right. to me, if I can help people out, that's way more important to me.
1: And we have, I think we have the link for that and I will make sure that we, I will make sure we have the link and we put it in the show notes because I don't know if I have it this particular go around. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's interesting. And I know that when we spoke on the other podcast, we were talking about the psychology of what you're doing now. So did you stumble upon, how did you all of a sudden start working, you know, mobile home parks? And, you know, so this would have been the breakthrough for you is, okay, I'm kind of bored of doing cars. Maybe I was okay selling cars and that this just presented itself. So tell us how that manifested itself and how it showed up and then what you started doing to make it successful.
2: Yes. So I utterly was depressed in corporate America. I've worked for a big bank. I've worked for a cruise line company, I've worked for a car dealership, I've worked for a telemarketing firm, other Fortune 500 companies, and it just, it's the same story every time. It's exciting at first, this is the best way to put it, in four years of selling cars, my first year of selling cars was absolutely thrilling. I loved it. My second year of selling cars, I enjoyed it. My third year of selling cars, I hated it. And my fourth year of selling cars was utter torture. And so what I kind of realized is that's the same kind of life cycle of being in the wrong job,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and the more jobs I've had, and the more things I've tried out, the faster I, I I find that life cycle. It just the turn is a lot faster. So I realized if I was going to be own my own business, I needed something with staying power. I looked at over a hundred businesses and it wasn't until mobile home parks presented itself to me. I actually started three other businesses and they didn't go anywhere. And it wasn't until I found mobile home parks after looking, after asking myself, who am I and what's important to me? Yeah. And looking at over a hundred businesses and asking the really tough question of, does this have staying power? Because if I grow to hate it, then I'm back to square one.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of people that are listening are a solopreneurs and entrepreneurs. So if someone started a business and it failed, another business and it failed, another business and it failed, I know that a lot of people wouldn't keep moving forward. They would probably say, okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to work for the man, right? So how did you overcome that? What pushed you and led you to believe that you could overcome that? And what advice would you give for anyone who's listening, who's encountering that, or maybe is afraid to get started because they are concerned that they could encounter that. So how? what advice do you give people to break through those, those various failures? Yeah.
2: So on my podcast, I have this thing called the 1% rule, which mm-hmm. is, hey, look, you want to be 1% wealthy? Yeah, who doesn't? What is a 1% wealthy person? In a capitalistic free market like we have, it's someone who can offer the market 1% value. So what does that mean? That means- you're 1% smart, you're 1% hardworking, you're 1% good looking, you're 1% lucky. And the truth of the matter is almost none of that that I could think of was inside my control because there's always gonna be someone smarter, there's always gonna be someone harder working. But the one thing that is in my control is I can be 1% willing to do what others aren't. Willing to do, and one big thing that no one—it seem, it seemingly no one's willing to do—is just not stop. Yeah. And to me, I'll give you a good quick for example. I'm on like almost 970 days in a row on Duolingo, and all my friends who have started Duolingo to learn a different language have stopped. And to me. It's like, yeah, you could go and spend a bunch of money on Rosetta Stone right. or go to Spain for a month. And it's like, if you just don't stop, all you have to do is wait. And so to me, I knew I could bet big on myself, not necessarily because I'm the smartest because I'm not, or the hardest working because I'm not, or the best looking because, come on, I'm wearing a hat because I'm bald. <laughs> So, and I'm not 1% lucky. So to me, I am 1% patient. And if I just don't stop and I don't do anything stupid, eventually it will work out in my favor. And that is by far and away the best advice I have just for any entrepreneur in any realm because I can do the same for a real estate. But for me, if I'm talking to a younger entrepreneur, it's that, look, I've, I've failed several times at several businesses and almost all venture capital people that I know want people who have failed multiple times. And they won't consider giving you money unless you have. And the reason is, is because what they are looking for, if they're backing you with their money or someone else's money that they're vouching for, They want to back the horse that just will not stop. When the grass looks greener, guess what? They keep going forward. When it's 4th and 30 and there's 30 seconds left on the clock, they're in the huddle going, guys, we got them right where we want them. We're going to win this game. That's the horse you want to back. So if you can just, if you aren't 1% of anything else, be 1% patient and not willing to quit on yourself.
1: Yeah, I love that. You know, I, um, there's a couple quotes and I, I don't know one of them. <laughs> I'll talk through it. But, you know, I've always said it's, it's really lonely at the top because no one else is there. <laughs> That's why. And it's easy to get there because no one else tries. And I've always felt that, you know, when everyone says, well, you know, how do you get, the, get so much done and how, do you, how did you succeed? And it's just that I just went that extra mile that everyone else did. And the, right. there's a great video called 212 Degrees and it's about that one extra degree that makes all the difference in the world as it's about water boiling. At 211 degrees, it's very hot, but at 212, it boils. And it's that one degree of difference that in your case, the 1% makes a difference. And I think the other thing too is, you know, Jim Rohn, and this is the quote, I don't know the exact phraseology for, but you know, Jim Rohn had said that, you know, everyone is just one more activity or one more task or one more day away from the success and they They stopped the day before. They stopped just short. And for me, that's like going to, you know, driving down the road and seeing a sign that says success this way, and you just stop at the sign. They go, I got to success. No, it's that way. Now you need to forge on. So I love hearing that, you know, you're talking about, you know, keep keep going and keep trying and keep testing and, you know, you're going to learn along the way. So I think that's what's incredible. So, okay. So you're going to be more patient and, and you kind of stumbled upon mobile home park, you know, investing, but how many breakthroughs did you have in that? How many tests did you have there that, you know, as soon as you started, you went to a class, you learned from uh, some guru or something that, you know, you can invest in mobile home parks and probably wasn't as easy at as you thought it was going to be. Not
2: at all. Let's just say there have been a lot of moments where I should have just stopped. (laughs) From my wife telling me, not verbatim, because we're going to bleep out bad words, but in so many words, we're not investing our time or money doing that. Yeah. To my friends basically being like, oh, trailer parks, so slumlord, like this is, you know, hey, it's the slumlord like that's not really in retrospect, I probably should have been a little more offended because I utterly think the world of my all my residents and and there's not much I wouldn't go out of my way to to do to make sure they're safe, and they live in a good environment, which is quite the opposite of some Lord, but between friends and people in the industry not returning my calls at first, a lot of people not returning my calls at first to my first deal ever where I reached out to forty banks and got forty rejections. Wow. For a deal that may end up trading for well over a million dollars what we bought it for. Just an absolute home run of a deal from a lending standpoint and from a an IRR standpoint and everything. 40 banks telling me no because I had no money and right. my investors were out of state, which is understandable from a bank's perspective. So gosh, there's due diligence mistakes, losing tens of thousands of dollars hiring the wrong contractor. I mean, there's so many times having to take out full recourse debt. Like I literally have millions of dollars over my head in full recourse debt right now. Quitting my job and moving to Atlanta even though my family was in Charlotte Yeah, for 14 yeah. months. Living in a mobile home park every other week for 14 months. I mean there's so many times, having no health insurance, basically having to all my, like a third of my money or whatever it was go to health insurance. I mean there's so many times, there's so many little stupid things that absolutely should have made me quit. And so that's why I think it is so important to take time to ask yourself and be honest with yourself what has staying power because it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter how much you think you love something your love and your passion for something will get tested sometimes on a daily basis
1: yeah
2: yeah so myself today this morning i could tell you about five things that tested my patience so if you to quote steve jobs when they asked him in so many words after getting fired from the company that you created, why did you not stop? Like, you're a glutton. Are you a glutton for punishment? (laughs) And his response to it in so many words was, I just loved it so much that I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. And it took me years, years to find that. And if you were to ask me when I was a child, where I grew up, the background, I went to private school and then Wake Forest University, private school, university not that I was rich growing up, I wasn't, I was middle class. I hadn't even set foot in a mobile home park until I was 28 years old. Yeah. So if you were to ask me when I was a kid, what I wanted to be when I grew up, I never would have guessed mobile home parks. And the (laughs) reason why I say that is you just have to look at everything and don't be too good for some opportunity because you might love it. And even if your own wife is like, dude, what are you thinking here? Yeah, You have to have the courage, no matter who your friends or family or whomever looks at you like you're crazy. If you love it, that is exactly what you need because you have to find something that you'll have staying power. And then you'll find that it gets easier with time because most people quit.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Most people quit and so it's easier to get there. So, you know, so you went through all these trials and tribulations, you know, and I and I know that all of us are doing that, especially if we're thinking about making a transition out of a real job or I should say the job, this is a real job too, but, you know, transitioning out of a corporate environment or something like that, you know, where we're becoming a solopreneur. Give us, so now we know we have all these struggles that we're going to have to encounter and that's just part of this. What's on the other side of this? Now that you've broken through all of this, you know, what is it that is... So joy, you know, giving you joy and fulfilling you on the other side right now.
2: First and foremost, helping others. Mm -hmm. I earlier this week wrote my first, our first check for our partial college scholarship that we offer all of our residents.
1: Oh, yes. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah.
2: We finally wrote our first check and it was just otherworldly amazing. And to be able to, now that I have a little bit of money, it's not a lot, but enough that I can start giving back it has been beyond just giving my time which I've I've basically just had to give my time for from a charity standpoint or work out something with where the property helps pay for it now this is the first time we have been paying for this out of our own pockets now that we have a little bit of money to do that is just so amazing dealing with this.
1: Yeah, I was going to say share with everybody what you're doing because I know you have the Mm -hmm. kids in the mobile home park writing you know, letters and stuff. So share just a little bit about what you're offering to everyone.
2: Anyone who lives in my community, if they want to go back to college or they want to send their child back to college, we have a very, very low bar for entry. As long as you live here, as long as I'm paying the college directly, and I can work out something with the tuition department, do it. We've approved someone to, this girl's going to go be an engineer, which is exciting. We've approved another lady, young girl. She is going to be a business major. And we've got a bunch of other folks who want to go back in. There's several who want to go and t- just take classes. It's not yeah. even get a degree. Just take English classes because we have a lot of Latino residents who want to which improve is why their why you taught
1: yourself Spanish. <laughs>
2: right? Which is why I can speak. You
1: needed to. Yeah, you needed yes. to. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we offer that but we do so much more. So we partner with PayLease and we allow people to build their credit while they pay rent. We do all sorts of other stuff. We do we're talking with the company to start doing financial literacy courses for free. We've done free food giveaways, Zumba classes. We've paid off predatory loans you know, we're kind of a jack of all trades because really what you want to do is we really want to find one charitable cause and really just get really, really, really good at it. So we're kind of throwing a bunch against the wall and seeing what sticks. But I think to answer your question a little more directly, for me, it's helping others. For me, the light at the end of the tunnel that I'm now there, I'm now out of the tunnel, is to be able to take a month off when my son decides to be born at thirty two weeks instead of full term? So I spent basically a half a month in the NICU and then the other half of the month at home, kind of almost wishing I was back in the NICU in case something happened. And that to me is just that time that and that freedom where I cannot have to worry about a promotion or my job or this that or the other thing where I'm the boss and I make the rules and I work when I want to how I want to and I have a life that I can work around rather than a work which my life has to kind of be around so to me it's one of those things where someone asked me recently you know what do you want like and honestly my my answer to that was I just I want what I have because I knew this is what I wanted and now that I have it, I I want to be more grateful for what I have because it's exactly what I want.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, and you know that my entire practice, you know, my entire coaching program is lifestyle business mastery, you know, where we increase the awareness of what makes you happy and where your passion is, right? And then we build the business around it rather than having the business running you and you trying to squeeze your life in. So you've obviously mastered that you know, so um, any, any last thoughts here that you have? And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing this story yeah. because it is a lot of trials and trial and tribulation and, and it took four years. This isn't something that happens overnight. It's a, I wouldn't say it's a 26 year marathon, but it certainly isn't a sprint. I mean, this is, you know, finding, finding what you really want to do and, you Making sure that it, it benefits you in the way that you want it to benefit you, and it, sometimes it's not always about money. It is, you know we want to make money, but maybe someone's in a point in their life where they don't have to make as much as they used to, and it's more about the fulfillment you know from the heart rather than the wallet. So so as we close out our time here to today, what do you want to leave everybody with um, who's thinking about this, or maybe maybe someone's doing what you did. I don't think you really did, but I think a lot of more senior people do is they are balancing the job and maybe leaving and trying to figure out what they want to go to and and they're struggling with that because as you know a lot of real estate gurus say you know you can accomplish this with just one hour a night working one hour and they're just having a hard time finding that hour too so what kind of advice can you give to someone who's who's thinking about making any type of transition and, um, you know, to keep their eye on the ball.
2: It's a hockey stick. You do an hour a day, once a day, no matter what, or however you do it, you're, it's going to feel like you're on a plateau. And then all of a sudden, just like a hockey stick, it's going to go. Whoop. So as long as you have that mentality and you don't stop, nice. It will work out, but I really wanna to kind of end with a quote, not verbatim, from my favorite comedian Bill Burr, who says it kind of gives a juxtaposition of you in corporate America and middle management and you chasing your dreams, but it not having worked out yet. And he basically says in so many words, you have one of those two is on a futon with no money and no family and and seemingly no nothing chasing his or her dream with no money. And on the other end of that spectrum, you have a beautiful home, a wife and kids and a family, and you utterly hate everything. And the guy in that king-size bed is dreaming about being that guy on the futon. And that's such a wonderful picture to paint because this is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but I have people in my mobile home parks that are financially free. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have a lot of money to be financially free, to have time freedom. Money will just make sure your bills are paid. And if you want a Ferrari and stuff like that, yeah, it's going to be a whole lot harder To be financially free, but like the movie Office Space where that one scene that's hysterical where Peter is, he's like, if I had a million dollars, you know, what, what would I do? And he's like, I would do absolutely nothing. And his neighbor's like, my cousin does nothing and he's flat broke. (laughs) right that's a great line and and the point there is is that the trap that we we all fall into or at least a lot of us middle class folks who started off middle class went to private school or even not you go to university rack up student loan debt then you get stuck in this culture of you need to get promoted you need to have more money you need to keep up with the joneses it sounds utterly and Utterly crazy for me to quit a well paying job, stable job at a big bank, to literally go and move into a mobile home park to chase my dream and pay myself less than half of what I was making and have no benefits. I can't tell you how much happier I was for having done that. And the biggest, most scariest part about all of this is the change and the risk you will take on. But I will tell you, you will quickly not miss the nicer car nicer house, the nicer things. If you truly have that time with what really matters to you, like your family and a passionate job that gives you meaning and purpose, whether that's for someone else or for yourself, it doesn't really matter. If you have something that just absolutely warms your heart and has that staying power that I mentioned earlier, that will give you so much more joy and happiness. Like I said, I made a LinkedIn post. I would so much rather take $100,000 less per year but be there with my son when he's born than the opposite. So that's kind of how I I would kind of end it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's really a, a, you know, simplify to multiply and it's either, you know, simplifying to multiply, you know, what you earn if if it's money or simplify to multiply your time. I mean, that's really what it is too, because this consumption is going to be consumption. I mean, it's just, if you want all these wonderful things, you're going to have to work All this time, and you know, there's obviously ways to work around that because I work, my work with that. But, but it is about simplification, you know, and having. I always called it. My mom said it to me. She said one day, she said, "You have such a great quality of life." And I said, "Well, what does that mean?" You know, to me, that meant like I was keeping up with the Joneses. And I said, "I don't really want a quality of life. What I want is a life of quality." Right. And there's uniquely, I mean, there's very big difference between that. You know, and and simplifying to multiply all the other things in your life. So, well, thank you again for yeah. joining us, Ryan. It means a, a lot to me. And I can't wait to see you on some other podcasts. And, you know, and it's, for those of you that are listening in, I'm going to get Ryan on my daughter in law's podcast called Rental Rookie. <laughs> so maybe you could, that's a little plug for her. You can yeah. hop on over and listen to Rental Rookie as well and, you know, have him, you know, share his story there and probably get into some nitty gritty that he didn't get into with the Mortgage Lending Mastery podcast as well. So I want to say, Thank you so much for joining me again, for helping me uh, share this message and your message about breakthroughs and the sustainability of, in your definition of success, whatever that may be. So thank you for joining me.
2: Loved being here. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. So listen, again, I want to say thank you all for listening in. And please don't forget, please go and give us a great rating and give us a great review. We'd love to hear what your feedback is all about. And if you are in the position where you are saying, how can I move from success to significance? This is the place to be every week to learn from people who have done it or are in the process of doing it so that you know you're not alone. So we will catch you next time. Take care.
0: You've been listening to Success to Significance with Gen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at ww.genduplessis.com slash s2s for more stories